You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show. Sans Chris, that's right, it's me, Nick, just rocking solo to go over the third and final preseason game, a 31-27 loss to the Jets, those former squatters of Giants Stadium. In 2021 Giants fashion, Big Blue's defense capitulated during the two-minute drill to preseason All-Pro and former CFL quarterback Chris Strievler as the signal caller connected with Calvin Jackson for the go-ahead touchdown with 22 seconds left in the game. I get it. It's only preseason. Sometimes crazy stuff happens. Sometimes Denzel Mims catches seven of eight targets for 102 yards and a touchdown against the team you cover. Talk about showcasing a guy for a trade. But other times, very valuable experiences happen. Some players rise to the top like a helium-filled balloon, whereas others aren't as buoyant and they falter under the lights. And this leads me, my friends, to a player the Giants picked up at the start of training camp, Austin Calitro, a.k.a. Mr. Worldwide, a.k.a. preseason Erlacher, a.k.a. did I really just earn a freaking roster spot? And that's the question, right? The Giants are thin at linebacker. After the injury to Darian Beavers, he tore his ACL, and we hope for a speedy recovery. And that leaves the Giants with Blake Martinez, Tay Crowder, and Micah McFadden. Those guys are locks for the roster. But I think Calitro has a realistic shot to make this team if the Giants carry five linebackers, including special teams ace Cam Brown, who's more than likely going to make the team and offer some value on the defensive side of the football as an edge linebacker hybrid type. But with his play this preseason, I think Calitro deserves a roster spot over someone like Carter Coughlin, the former seventh-round pick out of Minnesota back in 2020. He did, Carter Coughlin that is, have a nice PBU in the back of the end zone at the end of the game. But also, he was that play-side linebacker on the 22-yard scamper by Zonovan Knight. He's got to keep his chest clean there. He got all attached on the climbing offensive lineman and just couldn't get over to where Zonovan Knight hit the hole, and he just accelerated up the sideline. That's on Carter Coughlin. And I think the debate between someone like a Calitro and Coughlin is interesting because Coughlin is a former edge rusher. But in terms of Calitro, during this preseason... This guy has displayed blitzing chops. He's coming downhill and making tackles for a loss. He's reading his run keys and reacting instantaneously. And I think he could do a better job stacking and shedding blocks at the second level. Sometimes he can allow these offensive linemen into his chest as well. It's something that a lot of younger linebackers, just linebackers in general, struggle with because Calicho is a 28-year-old journeyman. I mean, I call him Mr. Worldwide because he looks like Pipple. Not just that, but he's also been to like 11 different locations. Some of them he doubled up on. But the guy has been a journeyman to the T throughout his entire career. But he's played so well this preseason. And I got to say, that interception that he ended up getting on Joe Flacco was very, very smart. A very savvy play from him because that is a third and three play. And Kalitro's blitzing because Wink Martindale doesn't care. Preseason or not, he's going to do what he does during the regular season. 
And Bill Belichick was reportedly a little upset at Wink Martindale for blitzing as much as he did, as much as he came after Bailey Zappi in preseason week one. And I know a lot of people in the football sphere just kind of chuckle at the fact that Wink Martindale dials up double A gap mug blitzes. Well, that's exactly what happened on this third and three play. I believe it was Michael McFadden and Austin Calitro are just in the A gap and they just blitz right at the snap. And Calitro gets stopped and shoved to his right. Joe Flacco rolls out to Calitro's left, but Calitro doesn't give up on the play. He uses a lot of pursuit to kind of cut off the angle, comes off of his block once he realizes his blitz isn't coming in, flashes his eyes on Flacco, and then just works with Flacco across the field. He sees the running back, Michael Carter, kind of squeeze in behind him, watches Flacco's eyes, and then alters his path when he realizes Flacco is not going to run, he's going to throw the football, and just sinks underneath Carter's little flare route, little check and release, and intercepts this ball on a third and three. And not only does he do that, bro, he goes full Nathan Fielder in the hero episode of Nathan for You and walks the damn tightrope all the way in for a touchdown. The Giants struggled to score points last year, but the defense is scoring points here. And this is preseason, again, obviously. Calitro might not even make this team, and if he does, he might get released shortly after when the Giants find another player who is a better fit for their roster. But I still really appreciated the things he was able to do in preseason here for the New York Giants. And this play in particular was a really wise and savvy play from a player who I thought had no shot to make this team when the Giants added him. And I think a lot of these back-end roster guys, these bubble guys, there's a couple spots that could be up for grabs, especially with these injuries. And a player like Calitro, man, he played himself into the conversation and kudos to him. I'm sure he's feeling this moment. You know, he's having the time of his life. All right, I'm done with these pit bull jokes. Unfortunately, though, the Giants suffered a few injuries in this game. Quarterback Tyrod Taylor, backup quarterback, the quarterback who started in this game, he took a shot from Texas A&M rookie Michael Clemens. Now, Dable says he's fine. It was a pretty big shot, and Clemens did a good job not putting all of his weight on Taylor when he landed on him, but it ended up being a back injury. And to Taylor's credit, he threw a dime to rookie tight end Daniel Bellinger on that play, and Bellinger did a good job securing all three of his targets, including that one for, I believe it was 37 yards before he exited the game with a concussion. I don't have any information on the extent of said concussion, According to Coach Dable, Tyrod Taylor is going to be fine. So that is great to hear. Tyrod is a very fun type of lightning rod out there, man. When, when he spun out of that sack and picked up the first down with his legs, that's the kind of stuff you love to see. Somewhat inconsistent with his arm at times. But I think having him on this roster is such an upgrade over what the New York Giants had at quarterback last year in Mike Glennon. And that's just no slight on Mike Glennon. But it was obvious that Mike Glennon was in over his head a little bit. Tyrod Taylor adds a totally different dynamic, and I feel like he's just so poised and calm in the pocket. And he does a pretty solid job evading pressure, other than on third down in the first drive for the New York Giants offense when it was just three and out and Tyrod Taylor got sacked because Robert Sala went full wink Martindale and just sent a huge blitz in on Tyrod. But other injuries as well with Jalen Holmes. He left this game. So injuries have plagued the Giants all throughout training camp. It's a nature of playing football. Every team has to deal with them. And it's unfortunate, but luckily Tyrod Taylor's injury, according to Coach Dable, early signs that it's nothing all too serious. As for the game, I think another player similar to Calitra, where they might not make this roster, 
But if they do, you could see them possibly having an impact is Austin Allen, the UDFA rookie tight end out of Nebraska. Now, Austin Allen is six foot eight tight end. He's played a decent amount of snaps all preseason. You look at the Giants tight end room, similar to their linebacker room. They've suffered an injury with Ricky Seals-Jones getting put on the IR. They cut Jordan Aikens, the veteran who played with Andy Bischoff, the Giants tight ends coach, in Houston. He's released now. And now you have Chris Myrick and Daniel Bellinger. And Tanner Hudson, who I thought this was interesting, and I haven't watched the All-22 yet, but I thought this was interesting. I rewatched the game in the condensed NFL Game Pass version, and you see a lot of Tanner Hudson out at wide receiver. I think that was an interesting note. They were trying that dude out at wide receiver because, as Bill Parcells says, that wide receiver is a biscuit away from being a tight end. Well, it looks like Tanner Hudson had some good old hearty southern breakfast because he ate those biscuits and he was aligning at wide receiver, executing wide receiver type of roles on the touchdown pass to Austin Allen. That was actually YY to the boundary side with Austin Allen acting as the wing or the H-back off the line of scrimmage. And then the wide receiver is actually Tanner Hudson. Now he's in a reduced split inside the numbers to that boundary side, but he just basically runs a, a post route with an outward stem. So it's stemming towards the cornerback to get his attention. And then he breaks over the middle of the field. And what that does is clear out that portion of the football field for the wheel route, which is run by the H-back. And that H-back was Austin Allen. And then there was also an underneath defender to kind of occupy the attention of the linebacker who latched on to Allen once Allen was heading towards the pylon. So I love the post-wheel concept used by Brian Dable in that situation. And I also like the fact that they're trying Tanner Hudson out as a wide receiver. I think they're intrigued by Tanner Hudson, and we don't know much about Tanner Hudson. He just got here. He's been here for maybe not even a cup of coffee. Maybe it's more like a cup of espresso. That's how short amount of a time this dude has been here. But he was aligning as a wide receiver, so it's something to pay attention to because the more hats you can wear in this offense and on this defense, the better chance you have at making this team. The tight end position is one position where we have nobody who is certainly making the team other than Daniel Bellinger, the rookie. He's the only one that's locked in. There is a true paucity of experienced tight end reps on this team, and it's going to be something to monitor throughout the season. Another position battle, camp battle, that I've found interesting since the beginning of camp is the running back three spot behind Saquon Barkley, obviously, and then presumably Matt Breida, who we saw for the first time. He got three carries for one yard, so it's not like he did anything to really wow anybody, not that he had too much of an opportunity to, but he played with the first team, got a couple snaps, got his feet wet, and then he was off the field and Gary Brightwell came on. If that's any indication that he's safe to make the roster, I think it is a slight one. It's not like they wanted an extended look at him, and we know Brian Dable knows him well from their time at Buffalo. So I think Breida's likely going to make this squad, and then Brightwell was that next guy in front of Antonio Williams. Tony Williams came in late in the second quarter or just in the second quarter. But I think it's important, and I mention this because Ja'Shawn Corbin didn't play until the second half, and he played most of the second half along with Sandro Platzgummer. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. 
That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. But I think Deshaun Corbin might be destined, even though he played well in this preseason game, for a practice squad spot. I think if the Giants do carry four running backs... Corbin would be the odd guy out, and it's unfortunate because I think he has shown a lot in preseason and in training camp and just kind of adapting to the complexities of this Mike Kafka, Brian Dable-led offense, and he also has that receiving ability. He has some special teams upside as a returner. We saw Gary Brightwell do that as well, and I think Brightwell looks more explosive than what I remembered from last season, so kudos to Gary Brightwell, and I loved how Corbin caught the fourth and four pass that ended up leading to a touchdown run shortly after but that was a nice play call by the Giants it was a typical Pat Shermer mesh wheel OTB concept something that Pat Shermer ran a lot when he was the head coach here for the New York Giants but it's not exclusive to Pat Shermer it's a very common type of concept but the little wrinkle that Kafka kind of built into this was two whip routes instead of mesh so you show the mesh Essentially, you run like original drags and then you dart back out. I'm not sure if that was coached specifically for the coverage that they thought they were facing and the leverage they were going up against or the coverage that they thought they were going to see or if it was you're going to run this no matter what. Could have been one of those choice situations. Not entirely sure. But either way, there was a lot of confusion on the Jets' defense and Ja'Shawn Corbin did a really good job getting out to the flat. Davis Webb. Kind of put the ball out there. wasn't the best throw. Corbin ends up securing it and then picking up the first down along with 20 yards. He caught all five of his targets for 33 yards. So Corbin's one of those guys. He's going to make the practice squad if he doesn't make the final roster. And he's one of those players who will get called up if anybody suffers an injury. And we'll see if that actually happens. Another interesting position battle where I feel like we heard tea leaves that suggested what we learned watching this game, but now we actually see it be substantiated by who was rolled out there, the first-team defense, quote-unquote first-team defense, because Xavier McKinney and a lot of other players were not playing, and because of the release of Andrew Adams, and that is Trenton Thompson. Trenton Thompson seems to be that fourth safety with Dane Belton healthy, which means the Giants would roll into the season with McKinney, Julian Love, Dane Belton, and Trenton Thompson, and that leaves Yusef Corker as the odd man out. But Thompson was the player who was playing the majority of those quote-unquote first-team type snaps. And one of the best plays I saw from any Giants defender was that tackle that Thompson had. It was the first in 15 run after the Jets took a penalty, and Basically, Michael Carter gets the handoff, and Aaron Robinson does a great job kind of flying down, keeping everything tight and squaring up to Michael Carter, but damn it, 
Aaron Robinson wasn't able to just secure the tackle, which was really frustrating. It was a really nice move by Michael Carter to juke Aaron Robinson out. Robinson ends up acting as a speed bump for Zion Gilbert, who can't get Carter from the backside. And it's Trenton Thompson, who is coming down from a deep half responsibility. So he is like the last realistic defender, other than pursuit defenders who were linebackers who might have had an angle, who could have made this tackle. And he stayed square to Carter and took a great angle right at his hips. He dove and he just made a nice, strong open field tackle. That was really impressive. And I liked Trenton Thompson's tape a good amount. I felt like he was a player that didn't test all that well and he was going to slide down, but he played like a better athlete than what he tested and what he put on paper and I felt like he was instinctual. He had zone and match type of concepts with under his belt, and he could play man coverage on tight ends. He's long enough and physical enough, and he's good in run support. So he checked a lot of boxes for me, and I'm glad it's looking like he might be one of these UDFAs who end up making this roster, just judging by the Giants' recent moves and the fact that he came into this game, got the first crack, and looked pretty damn good. And I have to say, Yusef Corker also looked pretty well. He was one of the players who filled the run fit when the Giants did an excellent job crashing down the line of scrimmage and forcing Ty Johnson towards Austin Caletro and Yusef Corker. And Corker and Caletro end up making the tackle at the sticks, and then Quincy Roche kind of cleans it up to force a turnover on downs. It was a really nice play by the Giants' second-team defense at that point against the Jets' second-team or third-team offense. And remember, the Jets played their starters in this game. They did not have quarterback Zach Wilson because he's out from the preseason Week 1 injury against the Philadelphia Eagles, and he might miss Week 1. And we can read off some stats as well. I'm excited to get into some of the tape of this game. I'll be posting stuff on my Twitter, at Nick Filato. Go over there and follow it, if, if you will. That would be pretty cool. And also have some stuff for Big Blue View. But some of the stats in this game, you have Davis Webb, hyper-efficient, just king of preseason. Joe Montana for the New York Giants preseason right here, 30 of 38 for 202 yards with a touchdown. Did not take any sacks. Looks very calm, looks very collected, knows this offense, and seems to have answers within this offense for anything that was thrown at him, albeit it is here in preseason. I felt like the Jets quarterbacks looked very good, other than Joe Flacco, who threw that interception to Kalecho, but Strievler and Mike White both looked really good against the Giants' second and third team defense. And as for the New York Giants, though, we got to see Wondell Robinson spark. I guess you could say, because we've heard so much about Wondell Robinson's playmaking ability from training camp. We've seen highlights of it. We didn't see it through the first two preseason games. We saw him bobble a touch pass. We said, you know, a couple screens get blown up. Well, they tried an end around with Chris Myrick as the lead blocker, and you could see how fast he accelerates and how he just looks like he shot out of a cannon when he puts his foot in the ground and gets north to south. So I think it just... It was a play on like second and 10. They picked up a first down. That's all well and good. But when you see how quick he can be and you think about the prospects of him playing with Kadarius Tony and Saquon Barkley, you get a little excited. So I appreciated seeing him actually look explosive and really effective and kind of break a, a good positive play here in preseason. It was a nice sight to see. Like I said, I love the fact that Daniel Bellinger looked good until he went down with his injury. And then a lot of these other guys who who played, they're more than likely not going to make this roster. Some of them will be relegated to the practice squad. 
And then there's a player who will make this roster, and that's Kenny Galladay. And, you know, that's a question right there. The Giants can't cut Kenny Galladay right now. It's fiscally not just irresponsible, but basically impossible to get rid of Kenny Galladay at this moment. So that's not going to happen. You just have to hope that he shows something, some sort of 2019 version of the player that we saw before the hip surgery. But now he's, what, 29 years old. He's had just a ton of injuries throughout his career. And he has no rapport with the New York Giants. He hasn't shown anything since Dave Gettleman signed him. It's not a great situation, but he's not going anywhere either. So we're going to have to see if he can finally create some separation and, and develop some sort of rapport with Daniel Jones because it is getting ugly very fast. Every day it's just more negativity about Kenny Galladay. In that block on the first play of the game, I wasn't as upset as it seemed like a lot of people on Twitter were. I think that's an RPO play that was supposed to hit the three-hole and Brita bounced it outside because the overhang defender, in order to to guard RPOs, essentially, like a one way to combat it, is to have those overhang defenders, those those slots, if you want to call them that, the nickelbacks, really play the run aggressively. So when Tyrod Taylor saw that the overhang defender was way out there, he was going to give the football off instead of looking slant flat, which I think was on the opposite side of where Kenny Galladay was. So Kenny Galladay, he's when he blocks, and this is something that I don't love, he doesn't he doesn't always engage the point of attacks. I feel like he's not that great at it. He leans into it and then people can evade him. He just uses his frame to basically stay in front of the of the defender. And then once he has to engage, he will. And I feel like on that play, he didn't know that Breida bounced it outside towards him and he saw the defender kind of step up close to the line of scrimmage. And you guys can go, it's all over Twitter if you want to go check it out. He saw the defender step up close to the line of scrimmage and he didn't know if Breida was bouncing outside of him or going inside of where he was standing, which is where the designed run was. That's at least what I'm speculating. And I think there's a lot of reasons that we can give Kenny Galladay a lot of crap that one, I just I, I didn't feel like it was the most egregious thing because I, I don't think he knew exactly where Brita was. So that's just a little thing. I, I don't think it's the end of the world to, to knock him either because he hasn't earned the right to not be knocked at this point. And I also think with a receiver of his size, you'd like him to be a little bit more of a physically dominant type of run blocker. And I just don't think that's ever been Kenny Galladay, despite the fact that he is as big as he is. Like Darius Slayton is somebody that we should talk about. Darius Slayton is a good run-blocking wide receiver, and I don't think Darius Slayton is going to make this team, unfortunately. Sterling Shepard, another good run-blocking wide receiver. But Darius Slayton, he hurt his hamstring, I think, during the, maybe it was the first preseason game, and he's missed a ton of reps in camp. I believe he said this after the game. And I don't know if he's long for this roster. If you could save $2.5 million and cut a guy who's going to be your fifth receiver, why wouldn't you do that if he has no value on special teams? But the thing that I believe, man, and I think this is a really good counterpoint to this, and it makes me not certain either way. There's not a wide receiver on this team right now who has that true outside proven separation ability like Darius Slayton. Because Kenny Galladay, he's not that. Kenny Galladay can't separate right now. He's a contested catch guy. He was a contested catch guy back when he was playing with Matt Stafford. And then you have Kadarius Toney, more of an inside guy, more of a raw guy. He's only played one full year at wide receiver 
in college. He's been a gadget player when he was down there in Gainesville, and he was injured all last year. Wandale Robinson, he was a running back, dating back to his days at Nebraska. And then he goes to Kentucky, and he's this dominant, short offensive weapon who was a good wide receiver, but not an outside guy, not an outside separator. Still explosive, still has great speed. David Sills, he's not creating great separation on the outside either. So if there's an argument for Darius Slayton to make this roster, which ultimately I think he's not going to, but if there is an argument for him to, I think it's because he has that deep speed on the outside, and the Giants roster right now just lacks that. They do. So I think that's one thing that he could have going for him, but ultimately I, I don't envision him making the team. Who knows, though? Maybe by the time you're hearing this, he already had made the team. It's it's one of these situations where you have a new general manager, you have a new coaching staff. They're going to want their own guys in the building here. And this is one of those years that's somewhat of a rebuilding year. I think the Giants can... I think they can realistically win, you know, like eight games. That's what I had my pre-training camp prediction. I'm a little bit more pessimistic now. But that's not because I think the roster is good or that the team is ready to compete. It's just that their schedule is so ridiculously easy playing teams like the Lions and the Texans, Carolina, Seattle, Jacksonville. It's like Chicago. There's so many teams that were picking in the top 10 or would have picked in the top 10 if they didn't trade their selections that the Giants are playing now. Now, they're in the same situation as the Giants, who are also this rebuilding, not that great football team, so they could realistically win those games too. I just don't think it's the murderous row that the Giants saw last year where they had to play freaking Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, and I also think Dallas... It's not the football team from last year. They are a much more beatable squad. (laughs) It's funny, man. The the Giants sucked last year. There's no denying that. The half of their games they won were against playoff teams. They beat Philadelphia, and then they beat the Raiders. And the Raiders won. They were traveling across the country. They just had the Henry Ruggs situation. There, There was a lot of turmoil around the Raiders team when the Giants ended up defeating them. But either way, the schedule this season is a lot easier. And that might lead the Giants to winning more games than we originally anticipate. Still, eight might even be a little bit aggressive because I think there are going to be holes and problems with this offensive line. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he's the worst thing in the world, but I also don't think he's the franchise guy. But what can he do for you this year? I think that's a good question that you can really opine on. Now, the secondary, I think, is going to be an issue. And I think there are certain players that if they get injured a lot of things can go wrong. One of them being a Dory Jackson, a player who has been injured a lot throughout his career. But we shall find out who was released. The Giants' final 53 won't be final because they're going to be very active on free agency. So the final will be in quotations, if you will. And just for statistical purposes, the Jets had 431 yards in this game. The Giants, 307. The Giants possessed the ball for about a minute more. So they won the time of possession, but they lost the football game and they cannot go undefeated now in preseason like those New York Jets who were 3-0 in the preseason. But they opened the season up against the Baltimore Ravens and a bunch of AFC North teams. I mean, their schedule's pretty tough. So it's going to be interesting to monitor their situation as well. Anyways, everybody, this was a brief overview of the Giants 31 to 27 defeat to those New York 
Jets. I am Nick Filato here on Big Blue View Radio. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com where all of our written content is. I'm sure you guys would love it. If you love the New York Giants, please head on over there. We'll be posting all throughout the season in-depth content, film reviews. Ed has his boots on the deck, so please subscribe to this podcast. Head to BigBlueView.com and also just have a lovely day. It's going to be a busy week and the NFL season is right around the corner. Take care of each other, everyone. Be well. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.